Well, welcome back again to Over Family. We are glad you're with us again. We hope you are continuing to be safe and healthy. We mentioned last Wednesday that we're continuing or starting a, service or a series on Abraham, and we gave you a little bit of a taste of that on Wednesday night. We're going to begin at the beginning now with Abraham. We're going to uh, go through a, a walk with him as the, as the uh, logo signifies. It's a journey of faith. Faith is a journey. It's not just something you do at the beginning. It's a continuing journey that you, you don't end your journey of faith. You don't end this school of faith until you are called home. So all of your life, you're going to be continued to be put in situations that require you to have faith. And as you have that faith and, you, faith and exercise it, the next time a situation comes up, you'll realize that your faith is a little bit stronger than it was the time before. Just like exercise, when you exercise your muscles, every time you can put a little bit more weight on it and a little bit more weight until eventually you're able to lift a lot more than you did at the beginning. And that's the way faith works. So we're going to look at Abraham's life and just begin at the beginning with him. Hebrews 11.6 says, well, let me go back one question. If I were to ask you what the most important discipline or, or thing that Christians need to have or do in their life. Now, I've stressed correctly that we need to know God's word. We need to understand what God's word says. We have to have it in our spirit. Let the word of God do what it needs to do in us. The Bible says, God's word does not return void. It will accomplish what it was meant to do. So whatever it means to do in you, it will do. So our knowledge of God's word is of vital importance. But even more than that, more than that, the exercise or discipline that we need to build on, as I mentioned at the beginning, is faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, So you see, it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that there is a God and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So if we know God's word, we study God's word, we have to have faith to believe that it's true. We have to believe that there is a God who wrote this word. We have to have faith to be saved. We have to have faith to grow. And we need to have faith to receive God's blessings and his promises. So faith is the cornerstone of, of what we do as Christians. Now, it says if we sincerely seek him, that means we have to have the faith to believe that he is real. We have to have the faith to believe that his word is true. Now, we mentioned last Wednesday that Abraham was a man of faith. Romans 4.3 says, Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. Hebrews 11.8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed. And I would assume that most of you listening today, just like we're going to see with Abraham, you've had your life directed or maybe redirected by what God was doing through you. And those redirections require faith on our part because God's not going to show you what happens at the end. How many of you thought or felt that you were ill-equipped to do something that God was calling you to do? Oh, that can't be me, Lord. It's got to be somebody else. I, I can't do it. I'm not really that, that type of person. But you feel that, that spirit is speaking to you. You just can't get rid of it. That's the first step to being a person of faith, recognizing that God is speaking to you. By listening to the still, small voice in your life that you know or you have a conviction of, that you know God's speaking to you, and then you confirm that by prayer, and you confirm it with a few other people. And the Bible says there's wisdom in the abundance of counselors. So as you talk to people and as you pray about it and you feel this urge in you, um, you know that God is speaking to you. So if you feel that nudge and you just can't get rid of it, continue to pray about it. God might be 
redirecting your life to do something you've never thought of before. So, and that's exactly what God did with Abraham. In Genesis 12, 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your country, your relatives, and your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham departed as the Lord instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now, there's a whole lot of information in that text. There's a lot of good nuggets of information. We're going to look at those verse by verse. The first thing we said, like we said at the beginning, God spoke to Abraham. Now, we don't know if it was audible. We don't know if it was a check in his spirit. We don't know how that was, but we know that God had communication with Abraham. And we believe as Christians that God communicates to us, through us or to us as well. Now, I've never heard anything audible. God usually speaks to me through his word or through times of prayer. And that, that could be what Abraham was doing or receiving at that moment. We don't know. But the point is God was speaking to him. And we have to understand that God continues to do that today. God continues to, to speak to people either through his word, uh, through words of prophecy, all those things that God uses to speak and get your attention. You first have to hear from God. That's our first step. You have to hear from God in order to build your faith. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by what? Hearing. And then hearing by the word of God. And I found in my life as I read God's word, God will pick a verse and just out of the blue, just, man, make me stop at that verse and listen to that and read it again and again. And God's trying to say something to me with that particular verse or chapter or whatever it might be. And I just can't get past it. Sometimes God will speak to you that way as well. So you have to hear what God's saying through God's word. And what Abraham was being told by God to do was to leave where he was. He was to separate himself from the city of Haran. They were leaving there. Joshua 24, 2 says this. Joshua said to the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River. And they worshiped other gods. If you look up history on this town, it was really an idolatrous town. It was, it was wicked. And God was calling him out of that system. He was telling them to leave the sinful place that he was in. And verse 3 says, But I took your ancestor Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him into the land of Canaan. The first act of faith that God requires any Christian to do, any believer to do, is to leave his previous lifestyle. Things that we are doing in the world things that you know were incorrect in, in God's sight, sin in God's eyes, and God calls you to leave that situation. As new believers, God starts that process out slow. He will begin to put feelings and, and I don't know, your spirit begins to speak to you, your conscience begins to speak to you about things you know you need to get rid of, things you know you need to stop, or maybe things you know you need to start. Things in your life, your whole attitude begins to change when you become a Christian. The light bulb goes off and you realize that there's things in your life you have to change and you pull yourself out of those situations. I was thinking about my kids and my grandkids. Now, when my younger two were little, they had these, we called them whoobies. They were like little security blankets that they carried around with them. And they carried around them for years and they were ratty looking and you just, you know. But there came a time and they were old enough that we said, you know what, I think it's time to give up those whoopies. We'll keep them for you. We'll put them in a safe place. But maybe you don't need to carry those around anymore. 
you're getting a little bit too old to be carrying those things around. That's exactly what God does. As you mature as Christians, God says, you know what? I don't think you need that anymore. You need to maybe give that up. You want to be mature. You want to grow as a Christian. Maybe you need to give that, give that up. And it, and it will be something usually that you feel convicted to do. You know you need to do. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes God just takes that desire away. Other times you have to work through it. You have to deny yourself. The Bible says take up this cross and deny yourself. So you may have to deny yourself things you know God's speaking to you about. And it may be things that are personal to you. They may not be sin per se. They may not be wrong things, but they may be things in your life that have an inordinate amount of your attention. Things that at that particular moment might be more important to you than God. And we're going to find out later on, God did that with Abraham and Isaac. You know, God wanted to show Abraham and show Isaac, you know, what's more important? Your son or your relationship with me? So those things that God was speaking to you about, and I believe as a Christian, you know what they are. You'll feel that urge, and sometimes we fight it off and think it's, nah, it can't be that. But I'm telling you, if you keep feeling that urge, that's God telling you, you know what? Time to give that up. God will do the same. God will make you give up things in order to grow you up. John Maxwell says in order to go up, you have to give up. So if you want to mature as a Christian, sometimes it requires you to give up things that you know you either like or you do, things that are interfering with your walk with Christ. Verse 1 continues, Then the Lord told Abraham, Leave your country, your relatives, your father's house, and go to the land I will show you. You know, God didn't tell him where he was going. I, I find that never in my life, I don't know about you, but never in my life has God ever told me what's going to happen down the road. In other words, Jeff, if you do this, here's all the things that are going to happen for you. Not generalities, but here's the specifics. Here's how it's going to work. Here's how you're going to be blessed. Here's how all the things that are going to do. When I got called to the ministry, I had no idea what was going to happen. I had no idea of how it finished. I had no idea where I would go to be in a church. But I started. Went through the classes. When the first church asked me to stay where we were at, I had no idea how that was going to work out. But it did. God used me, I hope, in a great way there. And then after 13 years, God says, okay, move to Florida. What? What? Why Florida? I mean, I had relatives there, but I never, why Florida? Just go. Okay, we went. And while we were there, we had a great time. We were able to really minister in a church that was down there, you know, share with the family. And then after a couple of years, God says, okay, time to go back. <laughs> well, we just got settled here. A nice house where everything's going well. Why are we going back? Go back. Okay. So we had no idea that we would be here. We had no idea what was going to happen. We've been here now 13 years. So, you know, God doesn't usually tell you what's coming down. He simply asks you to start walking. And I think if, if God was able to lay out everything that was going to happen to you once you made this decision, two things would happen. One, it wouldn't be an act of faith because you knew every outcome. You knew exactly what was going to happen. You knew where God was going to use you. And all these things were going to happen. So you wouldn't need to have faith. You knew everything. And the second thing is, if God told you everything that was going to happen, you might be afraid to do it. God says, oh, all these bad things are going to happen to you while you're doing my will. You know, you might not want to do it. So God usually doesn't tell you all the things that are coming down the pike for you. And I think that's the case for everybody. 
So God says, Abraham, start walking. I'm going to show you where to go. I thought about that. And I wonder how many of you that are watching, you feel God nudging you to do something that you're unfamiliar with, you feel ill-equipped to do, you're not sure of the outcome, but it's something that you, in your spirit, you can't get rid of. You can't shake that thought. Maybe people have confirmed it to you. Maybe your prayer life, it's just something in your, in, it's kind of stuck in your craw that you can't get rid of. Take time to pray about that. That might be God redirecting what you're doing. I was 30-something, 30 33, and I went in ministry, 33. No one starts at 33. Well, God did. You know, so you never know what God's going to do. Times like these, when God makes you step out, totally unsure of what's going to happen, that's what builds your faith. Genesis 12, 2. Now, God gives him a, a kind of a, a nugget of what's going to happen, but he is not very specific. He says, I will cause you to become the father of a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will make you a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So he tells them all the good things are going to happen. You me a blessing. These are kind of generic things. Yeah, you'll be, you're going to have a great nation, all these people, all these blessings. You're going to be a great guy. But he doesn't tell them how that's going to happen. He doesn't tell them all the specifics of what is going to happen in that process. He doesn't tell them about Egypt, the famine. He doesn't tell them about any of that stuff. He just says, here's what's going to happen if you obey me. And that's simply when God tells us to do something, we have no idea what's going to happen. We have to trust God that what he's calling us to do is going to be a blessing to somebody else, or maybe even to you. When we moved to Florida, we weren't in a ministry per se, but we were able to get involved in a church. And at that time, the pastor had some serious operations, and he asked me to preach every Wednesday for a month and a half and do a Sunday school class. So we were still in ministry. God was able to use He knew all the situations that were going to happen. We had no idea if we were going to be involved in ministry or not. But God was able to use that time as a blessing to that church because they didn't have somebody else. And it was a blessing to me because I was able to do what I was able to do. So God tells them what's going to happen, but he doesn't tell them how it's going to happen. In other words, God may be telling you, hey, you know what? Take that new job. It'll be great. How's it going to be great, God? Not, don't worry about it. Just take the new job. It'll be fine. Start this new ministry. It, it'll work out great. How am I supposed to do that, God? I'm not going to tell you. Just start it, and as you continue through it, I'm going to show you what to do step by step. Just have faith that what I'm calling you to do is something that you can do with my ability. You know, in every major decision that we've made, we had no assurance of how it was going to work out. We didn't know what was coming. But every time, it did work out. And it usually worked out in ways that we never could have thought of. Now, I want to make one little note here. These were not snap decisions that we made. These were choices that we made after talking with one another, praying about it, conferring with a few people. As I mentioned, wisdom, there's wisdom in the abundance of counselors. You know, all throughout the processes of everything we've done, there's been confirmations along the way that this was what God wanted us to do, even though we had no idea what was going to happen in the end. 
Verse 4 says, so Abraham departed as the Lord instructed him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now, how often do we say, think, feel, and I've read numerous articles about raising up the next generation, raising up the young people, and that's true. We need to raise up the young people, 20, 30, 40-year-old. We need people to carry on what we're doing right now. We need young people to do that. And we can't, you know, every generation needs great leaders to carry on the gospel message. People our age are not going to be here forever, so we need to raise up young people to carry on the gospel. In fact, 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Paul says to Timothy, use a young guy. He says, don't let anyone think less of you because you're young. So we do need young people. We need young people to raise up take that standard, become leaders today. But it doesn't negate us older folk. Every generation, young and older, need leaders in that generation. God is not a respecter of age. Why do you think that God added that sentence and Abraham was 75 years old? Does it matter? I mean, who cares how old he was? I don't think anything in God's word is there either by accident or just for no reason. It mentions his age because I believe that everything in God's word has a relationship to now. Maybe you're 75, maybe you're 60 or whatever your age, and you think that your time in God's world is over. You're just kind of cruising until God calls you home. Don't think that because you're a seasoned saint, that you've been around for a while, that your time is up and that God's done using you. Everyone has a use for God. Moses was 80. Caleb was 85. Haggai was 70-some years old. Simeon, the guy that got to hold the baby Jesus, he was, the Bible says, he was really old. He was near the end of his life. So there are things that every age group God can use for great things. I like what Jack Hayford says. He says this. Quote, listen, if he were finished with you, he'd take you home. If you're here on the planet and still breathing, he has something for you to do and to be. Look at Joel 2.28. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, young people, and your old men will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Every age group matters to God, and every age group has something that God is calling them to do. We just don't sit back and wait for us to retire. God's, God has one retirement plan, and that's when you get called home. And up until that point, you're still actively engaged in the ministry. If you think that God's will is for somebody else, not you because of your age. Remember what Moses said when God called him. Exodus 4.13 says, Moses says, Oh Lord, please send somebody else to do it. How often do we hear that in, in church work? All the time. When there's a ministry or a need that needs to be met, how often do we say, Oh Lord, please, please send somebody else. Don't let it be me. Send somebody else. I've done my time or I've I'm too old or I'm too young or I'm too whatever. Whatever age we think we're done, 
we tend to think, you know what? I've done my time. I've paid my debt to society. I've done all these things. I'm just going to relax, retire, write it out. Let the young people do it. Now, the young people do have to step up. I'm not saying they don't. But the older folks don't sit back and relax. If you think you're limited by what your age is, your, your weaknesses, whatever you think is limiting you, guess what? That's exactly what God wants you to be. Remember 1 Corinthians 1.27. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. If you think you're too weak, too old, too young to be a benefit to God, if you think anything is restricting you from being a benefit to God, you are actually in the perfect place to be used by God. 2 Corinthians 12.9 says, when, God, when Paul complained about his thorn, God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. If you think you're weak and you really don't have the ability, that is exactly where God wants you to be. If you are willing and you know that God's called you, God will equip you. God will take that weakness and fill it with his strength if you let him. Things that you think you have no ability to do, that you can't do, or for whatever reason, if you think you're weak in that area, God will fill that area. God will strengthen you, and God will give you what you need to accomplish that. Now, we're going to see later in the series, like we taught on Wednesday, that Abraham and Sarah were people of faith, but they were imperfect people. And I'm glad to read about imperfect people because the Lord knows I'm imperfect. And I blow it. And I'm sure all of you can say the same thing. And it's nice to read that God commends people of faith in spite of what they do, in spite of their sin, in spite of their failures. God still recognizes them, acknowledges them, and, and lifts them up and tells us they were great people of faith. Now, they did suffer. They suffered consequences for their actions. But you know what? They didn't quit. They didn't stop because of their, their sin or whatever it was. It was there were mistakes. They didn't stop doing it at that point. They didn't throw in the towel because, well, I blew it in Egypt, so Mazel, I can't be used by God. No, they kept persevering. Our sins, our failures can't be a reason that we stop doing what God calls us to do. We should never feel like we want to quit because something doesn't work out the way we think it should or because we failed at some point. I like what George Morrison says. He says this, the victorious Christian life is what? A series of new beginnings. Now, when we first got here at our church, we were called the Church of New Beginnings because a lot of things were changing, a lot of things were new. Which, by the way, just an aside here, for those of you who haven't been in the church building for a while, we're doing a lot of changes here in the physical building. It's, it's going to be a surprise for you. Now, some of you have got the pictures of things we were doing, but we're taking this time to do things that we normally couldn't do if we were open every Sunday. Things that were taking longer than it would take, you know, it takes longer than a week, so we can't, it wouldn't be ready for the Sunday morning service. So it's exciting what God's doing here. But the point is, don't let the things that we think are failures keep us from moving forward. Every time we start something, every time we sin and get back up, it's a new beginning. Every time we we blow it, we realize it, we acknowledge it, and we confess it, and we move on. It's a new beginning. The slate's clean again. In other words, get up, dust yourself off, 
confess your sin, keep moving forward. Paul says, forgetting what's behind, I press forward. I press onward to the high calling of Christ. You can't let your past mistakes or failures or inabilities stop you from moving forward. What if Abraham would have quit at their first time in Egypt? When he went down and he got caught lying about his wife, what would have happened? He said, you know what? Um, God can't use me. I just blew it there. What would have happened? God's line of succession, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and throughout, may not have happened. Why? Because they would have stopped at what God told them to do. You know, if everyone quit everything at the first sign of struggle or hardship or, or trial, where would any of us be? What if every athlete quit every time they lost one game or had one bad inning or one bad quarter? They just quit because it was bad. What would happen if every kid quit riding a bike the very first time he fell off of it? No one would ever ride a bike. What if everyone just quit their job at their first sign of struggle or hardship? Everyone would be out of job. What if everyone quit ministries that didn't work out the way you thought or you failed at some point? Be no ministry because we all do it. We all sin. We all fail. What if everyone quit their marriages at their first sign of trouble? But unfortunately, all those things are happening. Why? Because we think that once we fail, we can't move on. We can't be used by God. But God uses imperfect people. God uses sinners. God uses people who sin. Our job is to recognize the sin, confess it, repent of it, and just keep moving forward. The enemy wins double if you quit. Not only does he make you sin, but he makes you quit on what God's calling you to do. So if you sin, confess it, move on. Think about previous generations. What if the people who led you and me to Christ, what if they weren't faithful? What if they didn't persevere and keep strong with God and do what God called them to do? Where would we be? Well, we probably wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be listening if no one was able to come to you to talk to you about Christ. We look back at the generation that came before us, the generation that introduced Christ to all of us, and we look all the way back from that generation to Abraham and Sarah. What if a certain generation just quit along the way? What if a generation 300 years ago said, you know what? I can't do this. I'm quitting. And we would not be here today. But we can look back at each of those generations and say, you know what? They were faithful. They weren't, they weren't perfect. They blew it. But they were faithful. And because of their faithfulness, just like God said at the beginning to Abraham, it's going to be a blessing to all peoples. So Abraham's faithfulness carried on generation to generation to generation to now. And we are blessed because of their faithfulness. And the question we, I'm going to ask ourselves before we close this morning is this. When future generations look back on us 50, 100 years from now, what are they going to say? Are they going to say that we were faithful in continuing the gospel message? 
or are we going to be the ones that stop, that quit? It got too hard. It got too difficult. I blew it too many times. Don't let the enemy win twice in your life. Not only can you defeat him by confessing your sin, but you can really stomp on his head by continuing what God told you to do. And by doing that, you're faithful to, to teach, to train, to minister, to witness, to do other things, to carry on the gospel. And every time you do that, you see success. God's name is glorified and the enemy is defeated every time. And I want people to look back at our generation, our family, and our, this church and know that this church, our church, and you individually were faithful to what God called you to do. That you listened to him, you stepped out in faith, not knowing what was going to happen. But as you did that, God met you, God used you in that situation, and you were a blessing to whatever God called you to do. If you feel that urge today, don't ignore it. Pray about it, and maybe God's calling you to step out. Before we pray, I'm going to ask one question. If you're listening to this and you've never really committed your life to Christ, you're not sure about this Jesus stuff. You've heard it. Maybe you grew up in it. Maybe you've heard it all your life. You've been in the church, but you, you don't have a relationship with Christ. You know about him. Just like I know about other people. I know about celebrities. I know about politicians. I don't know them, but I know about them. You may know about Jesus but you don't know him. You don't have a relationship with him and you're not really sure what we're talking about. I can tell you as one who, who did this when I was older, I was 30, it was a life-changing transformation for me. And if you want that same transformation, you wanna have that same relationship that I have, that people in our church have, it's not something that I can tell you what it is until you say the prayer, until you believe in your heart. Bible says, believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that you're safe. I can, I can tell you what it did for me, but I can't tell you how you're going to feel about it until it happens to you. Because it's a decision you have to make. So I'm going to ask you, if you've never done that, you've never really believed that Christ died in your place, that Jesus' death was payment for your sins, if you've really never acknowledged that, and that He is, in fact, God of the universe. Bible says He created everything and that God raised him from the dead as a stamp of approval to show the world that everything Jesus says was true. The resurrection was God's stamp of approval on everything that Jesus did. If you want to know Christ, you want to trust in what he did for you, I want you to pray with me this morning. Repeat after me if you would. Dear Jesus, thank you for taking my sin. Thank you for dying for me so that I can have a relationship with you. Not just to know about you, but to know you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God raised you from the dead and that you're alive today. And because of that, because of my belief, I am now a child of God. It's that easy. That easy. 
you're like me, the light bulb went off and things became, became clear. I'm going to pray for you and for all those of you who are watching that God is able to use you in a powerful way, that God calls you, that God equips you, and God sends you, and that you'll be a blessing like Abraham was to the people you have come in contact with. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the call you've placed on each and every life. Every one of us who know you, you've called. We're not all called to ministry, but we are all called to something. Lord, I pray for each person listening this morning that God, you would bless them, that you would confirm your call in their life, you would confirm what you're asking them to do, to step out in faith, allow them to really feel confident, not in what's going to happen, but simply in the fact that you are asking them to step out. And that would, as they step out, Lord, you will be that light to their path, that you will direct what they do, and they will see your hand and your power working in their ministry. They will see things that they will only see because they followed you in faith. And allow them to be a blessing to those they come in contact with, and allow them to receive your blessings as they are faithful to you. Build our faith, Lord. Help us to walk in the faith that you have given us, and help us to exercise that become more mature in our belief, in our faith for you. Now, Lord, I commit each person listening to you right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a tremendous week, and we will see you here Wednesday night as we continue our study in the life of Abraham.